0: Amen. If you've got a Bible, meet me in Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. We've been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon, the best sermon. Jesus gave this sermon, standing on a hillside in the Middle East. That's the actual hillside, by the way, in that photo, if you're in the room. I think it's a little fuzzy if you're online, but just imagine yourself there with Jesus at the top speaking these words to you. And we've Made our way through all of what we have recorded on it to the very end. Before we go to Jesus' words here, uh, I want you to think about a quote that I read this morning and we even, my my little family, we even had a, a family chat about this and it was super helpful, but I read a leadership quote by John Maxwell this week. It'll be on the screen for you. And it says this, your attitude more than your aptitude. Back in vocab class now, all right, for those of you have been out for a while. Your abilities determines your altitude. In other words, how far you go in life is determined by your attitude. We had that family discussion, and uh, it was really helpful even for me, because as you face another month in pandemic, <laughs> and maybe you're like me, and you've got school tomorrow... Or you're teaching tomorrow, or you're going back to work, or maybe you're still at home working. Wherever you are, the bottom line is, is that normal hasn't come back to any degree of comfort. But like we talked about last week, we have a choice to make. Because our attitude determines the direction that our life is pointing how we respond to the circumstances of life often determine the direction that our life will go. Because here's the reality. You can be great at something, be pointed in the wrong direction, and waste that ability. Can't we? We we say things like, He squandered that opportunity. We know what we're talking about there. Or... We'll say a phrase like this. Oh, what could have been. <laughs> Where are you pointed today? Because the, the next question then is pretty obvious. How do I point my attitude? How do I point that in the right direction? And I'm glad you asked because Jesus, the greatest leader of all time. Think about that. The most influential person that has ever set foot on this planet. There's been more songs sung about him and to him than anyone else. There's been more art dedicated to him than anyone else. There's a book that has stood the test of time that he stands behind and on and through. That has been timeless. The most influential person in the history of the world. And he, the author of life, preached these words. Get chills just thinking about being on that mountainside and the God of the universe, the one who hung the stars and brought the hurricane and the things that are so much bigger and more powerful than us are not than him. And yet he looked at those people sitting on the hillside and he looks at you in the eye through his word and has these words to say to you and to me. So it's not just another TED talk. It's not just a podcast. It's the author of life speaking directly to you. You believe that? Okay, so let's listen. Here we go. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. We're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We just last week learned about who's in and who's out. And that your list of accomplishments will not bring you favor with God. But that comes from outside of you and then it takes residence in you. But when the Spirit of God comes in your life, what is the fruit of that? And here it is. Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone then. Some of your translations will say, Therefore, with all of the Sermon on the Mount in view, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Important. Everyone who hears them And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. I envisioned being on the beach with my kids and building an incredible sandcastle. I'm not good at sandcastles, so I have to imagine this. But some of you, I believe, probably are. And you've had this experience where you build a sandcastle. And it's just right. And at just the wrong time, the tide comes in a little bit farther. And what does it do to that beautiful sandcastle in one sweep? It's gone. Right? And if it's your kids who were building it, what does that scripture say? It says, great was the fall of that house. Because what do kids not anticipate when life comes at them fast? They're caught up in that moment, in what they're building. And the waves come. You know, it's the perfect picture of our life, isn't it? Not surprising because it's Jesus. But what do we know about life? Life comes at you fast. Not only does it come at you fast, but it comes at you from every single direction. Jesus is very pointed in exactly what he says, because what he says is the rain falls from above, the floods rise from below, and the wind blows from everywhere else, so that there will be times in your life where you will be completely out of your element, completely out of control. And the question is, the question Jesus is asking, the, the decision he's laying in front of you is, Will you crash? Will you collapse when life comes at you from every direction? And you know what I'm talking about. Even if you didn't before five months ago, you do now. Where we recognize that we have so little control over the actual outcome of our life. So what do we have control over? When everything else is disrupted, what do you and I actually have control over what we hear and what we do. You have access to the very words of God. Everyone who then hears those words but then does them is a wise man. Building his house on a rock. Because everyone who hears those is building on a different kind of foundation than the world offers. And so you go back to this idea that your attitude determines your altitude. Because when life comes and the winds blow, we are prone to collapse. So simple question this morning. As we close the Sermon on the Mount. What are you building your life on? If you're just going to write one thing down today. I want you to write that down. And just pray about it. And give yourself an honest answer. What are you building your life on? Because in reality I think we'd all like to say. I am completely trusting in the Lord. And building my life on His word and foundation. But if you and I are honest, there are pockets of our life where we've not yet surrendered those to Jesus. There are places where we feel like we need to maintain control to keep our sanity. We'll, we'll sing about being in His presence. We'll sing about that being enough and that we're not going to settle for anything else, but really, when you come to the end of a Sermon on the Mount and you begin to think about those things, we're not doing anybody any favors, including ourselves, if we're not honest about who we're trusting. What are you building your life on? Because the reason that quote is so applicable here is because it gets to the heart of the problem. At the end of the day, More often than not, those of us who live in the 21st century United States of America are trusting more in our aptitude, more in our abilities, more in our talent than we are in the Lord. And until you and I get really honest about that and the things that we can control and can't control and turning those over to the Lord, do you ever think about when Jesus was walking on the beaches and he walks up to those guys that were the first 12 disciples and apostles. And he's walking up to them at work and he's saying to them, Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what does scripture say? It says they immediately go. Think about that. Man, we don't, we, most of us, I'm not going to throw you under the bus like myself, but I don't make decisions like that. Right? And we'll cloak it in stuff like, Well, there's wisdom. And if you go to Proverbs, it talks about handling this and handling that. And that's true. But if, God Himself has laid out in His Word exactly what His will is. We follow. We follow immediately. And so, He's not interested in our list of accomplishments. And we talked about that last week. But the phrase that He said was, He never knew us. And so last week I challenged you to Start your day with God. Schedule some break time with God. And end your day with God. Now this is church. This ain't school. That's tomorrow. So I won't give you a test. But in your own heart and in your own mind, what did anything change from week to week? Some of you are going to be able to answer yes to that question, but a lot of you are not going to be able to answer yes to that question. (laughs) Because... This is the heart of the matter, is what are we building our life on? And for some of us, we've been building it on our own ability for so long that we don't know which way is Jesus. The house here is really the representation of your life. And the foundation is the religion that you choose to put it on. And that's what Jesus has been knocking. It's why you can come to the Lord and say, God, I did all of these things in your name. I didn't even take credit for it. And he can look you in the eye and say, but I didn't know you. Right? You can come work for me and do a great job, but you're still not my son. You're still not my daughter. Right? We understand the difference of when you are doing good stuff... Or when you are in the family. And so Jesus is pressing in on us and saying, If you are my kid, this is the way that it looks. He wants to know you. He wants to be your father. He wants to be your dad. He's more interested in his relationship with you than your performance for him. And so, once you are loved, then you can begin to address how you live. And so, before I give you this couple of things, these three things to build your life on, I want to just be clear that if you go and start to do these next three things that I'm going to talk about, without being in the family, without being loved first by God you will not find what these things offer. Until you are in the family of God, adopted by Him, you will not find the life you're living on. And so it is the first piece of building your life because if we reverse the process and start to do before we know, we end up on this treadmill of life and we get burned out. We end up on this treadmill, as Jesus said, this path, This easy path that leads to destruction. And so first things first, do you know the Father? Are you aware of your need for the Father? The Bible is very clear that all of us are like sheep who have gone astray and every one of us seeks our own way. And the wages of that, the payment for that is death. Because you see, before we get to the good news, we have to understand the bad news. The bad news is that apart from Christ, you you can do nothing of significance. You can make a difference in this world, but this world is very fleeting. Just in our country alone, in the midst of this pandemic, we've watched more than 100,000 people. Think about that. Not just the number, not just the percentage, but the fact that more than one 100,000 people have lost their life to something you and I cannot see. And that's not to scare you. That's just to say that the scripture is right. It's what James, Jesus' brother said, is your life is like a vapor. It's just here and then it's gone. Where will you spend eternity? What are you building your life on? I want to encourage you to build your life on Jesus. I don't even want to encourage you. I want to beg you You're watching online five years from now. I want to beg you to give your life and build your life on Jesus. And so if you have, if you're in the room or you're watching online and that's you, you're saying, I'm in. I want to build my life on Jesus. I want to give you three ways to build your life on Jesus from what Jesus is saying here. Because what he says is everyone then who hears the words, right? Let's hear what he's actually saying. Not what we've been told for a long time. Not what we think it means. Let's look at what He actually says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and then does them. Alright? Because that's a trust issue. And does them. Alright? So, number one, these are not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, you can write them down. Number one, don't soften His word. Don't soften His word. You see... What we learned back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, was that the the call is that you would be perfect. There's this temptation to, as some of the old theologians used to say, dead bunch of dead guys used to say, is that we have this tendency to soften God's demands to something that's doable. But the reality is, is what God's calling you to is in fact not doable. Because you are not perfect. And if you're confused about that, somebody near you (laughs) right now would be happy to inform you of the ways that you are not perfect. We get that. But yet, for those of us who have been a Christian for a long time, we tend to come back to this book because we've been in it for so long and soften the things that God's called us to, when in reality we are called to be perfect. Don't soften His word. This call to be perfect, because when life comes at you from all directions, the things that you've built aren't going to matter. Think about what it says in 1 John chapter 1. If you want to look at that real quick. 1 John chapter 5. Sorry, what did I put? 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Listen to this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Listen to this. Listen to this phrase. By this we know. You want to know if you're in or you're out? This is how. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God. Isn't that an interesting phrase? For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Wait a minute. If I'm keeping His commandments, that's how I show that I love God. That's not what it says, is it? This is the upside down nature of the gospel is that if you are doing anything right, it's because God's doing it through you. (laughs) So, even if you do some awesome stuff and you're looking for a pat on the back, that's not actually God. Because when you're so tuned in and have everything you need from Him, this is what actually happens. This is the love of God that you and me are keeping His commandments. Not because we're getting better, but because we're becoming more aware of our need for Jesus and that as we connect to Him, as we talked about last week in John 15, we begin to display the fruit of the Spirit, not because we're doing awesome, but because our relationship with the Lord is growing. And we just start to become like the one we're with. And his, listen to this. Is this true of your life? And his commandments are not burdensome. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's not my reality a lot of the time. Is it yours? So often, it's very burdensome. But it's not because God's changed. It's not because the standards change. It's not because His offer to be in you and living through you has changed. It's because we go back to this idea that we can build our life. And the reality is, is that we can't. Let's keep reading what John says and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4 For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Then it says this And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It always goes back to your relationship with God. It's never about your performance for him it's all about your relationship with him Don't hear me wrong I'm not asking you to be a lazy Christian but I'm asking you not to soften his word I'm actually I'm asking you to actually read it and then connect back to the source that can give you the life to actually carry some of the things out If you reverse that you will not make it So back to the foundation are you in his word I'm not going to rehash last week's message, but it's important that you begin to make intentional time and intentional investment in your relationship with God. And are you committed to his church? It's the thing that Jesus chose to build. And just so you know, every single one of us is as broken as you are. And you can go to a hundred different churches and you will eventually be in the same place because the idea is not that we satisfy you, but that God satisfies you and you bring your satisfaction in Christ back to the corporate body. Because then you can move to number two, if you're taking notes. What St. Augustine said a long time ago. He said this, and it's number two if you're taking notes. Love God and do as you please. Well, that sounds less burdensome than do this, do that. You're a failure. I know. And so do you. So where do we come back to, to where I actually begin to make a difference for God? I love God and do as I please. Look at what Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say. Blessed is the man, what? Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But listen to this, verse 2. But his, what? Delight. Doesn't that sound nice? And that sound refreshing in the midst of a pandemic going and running roughshod across the world? Where we don't know who's telling the truth and what's going on? Well, I can tell you who has the truth and who holds your delight in his hand. It's the Lord. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates what? Day and night. Let's start our day with God and let's end our day with God. And let's see if he might change the way we feel in the midst of the rest. Because when our delight, our shalom, our peace, our flourishing goes back to the place that it's supposed to, the one who created you will start to use you in the way that you were made. Does that sound better to anybody than what we've been doing? Yeah. This would be a good time for you to lift up your voice and say, Amen. (laughs) This ain't a cathedral. You can talk. Delight in the Lord. That's That's why Jesus could say things later on like ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Why? Because if you love God... You can do as you please because you are pleased by him and doing what pleases him. That's why he could make outlandish statements like ask anything in my name, anything, and I'll do it because if you are loving him because he first loved you and living in that delight in the law of the Lord, you can ask anything and he'll do it. True good works, Augustine said, flow from God, not from us love God and do as you please what did he mean if you're connected to the vine and connected to Jesus and receiving your life from him you can do as you please because you want to love and honor him think about that even if you're not a christian maybe you're in here and you're not a christian you're totally faking us all out or maybe you're watching online and and you're not a christian Wouldn't the world be a better place if these things happened anyway? Think about last week we talked about the fruit of the spirit. Which person in the world right now would argue with the world becoming a place that had more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness? <laughs> Nobody argues with those things. We all want the fruit of the spirit. If the Christian life doesn't feel light, it's because you're not doing it the way that Jesus called you to do it. He has offered you a completely different reality than the one you're living if it does not feel that way. Because here's the deal. Our feelings are liars. Aren't they? We like to blame all of it on the media. They're just playing to your feelings. That's why Jesus said it's what goes from within a man that defiles the man. Right? Hmm. Love God and do as you please. Let me finish with this, number three. What what does all that mean then? If God created you, what does all that mean for you? It means this, number three. Do what you were made for. Do what you were made for. Think about Ephesians 2.10. For you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared from before the foundations of the world. You have purpose in this life, even if it's painful. I told you about Lou Ray last week, battling leukemia, just completely out of the blue. I've never spoken on FaceTime with somebody who is happier in the midst of leukemia than Lou. So, Lou, if you're watching, I love you, man. He's literally going through leukemia and, you know, smiling. Well, how do you get that? Because his delight is in the Lord. Such an encouragement to me. Go to places like 1 Corinthians 12 and you start to look at what matters? Go into Ephesians 4 and you look at what God actually gave the church. He gave all of us. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are shepherds, some are evangelists, some are teachers. And Jesus says, We need all of them. And if you lose any part of that, you don't have the church. And so, we need you as much as we need me we need you to figure out how God has wired you and for you to put it in place not just here on a Sunday but where you live where you work where you play these are the places that we need you and so it's why we do things like growth track we're going to do another one live on Zoom coming soon here we'll give you details about that in the future but you can start it right now you can do the videos and it's it's not about the tool it's about the tool helping you figure out who God made you to be. It's to take that first step towards actually doing what God is calling you to do. So go back to the question. What are you building your life on? Kevin's going to come up and sing for us. And, and I just, I don't even want you to sing. I want you to listen. I want you to sit in the presence of the Lord. And ask the question. In honesty, what am I building my life on? Because it matters. Because where you point your life, where you put your attitude, determines how far you're going to go in life. You can, as the word says, as Jesus said, what does it profit us if we gain this whole world and lose our soul? What does it matter if you get that promotion but lose your soul? What does it matter if you are protected from COVID but lose your soul? What does it matter? It doesn't. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is offering you what he called life to the full. This invitation to join him in a less burdensome life filled with fruit. Does that sound more refreshing? Yeah, it does. Why don't you stand with me? Kevin's going to sing for us. I just want to encourage you. If you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online, just put that in the chat. We'll connect with you. If you're in the room, we would love to walk you through what it means to be a child of God. But let me pray for you, and then Kevin will sing for us and dismiss us when it's done. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the simplicity of what you've called us to, a relationship with you. I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, help each one of us to believe you, to take you at your word with so many things happening around us. We're tempted to believe the lie that we can control things and build our sandcastles. But we know that you've called us to more than that. And that if we'll surrender, if we'll give up all that we have and follow you, that you'll be in that place. That you'll bless that like you love the birds in the air and the lilies in the field how much greater is your love for us so we praise you pray that you would encourage those that are either in the room or online that are discouraged that are depressed that are battling mental health issues things that are very real I pray that Holy Spirit you would touch them even right now. That you would lift their spirit. That they would be in that place that Mary was when she encountered you. That their soul might magnify the Lord. That their spirit within them would rejoice. That you would refresh them. I pray for those of us in the room and watching that are religious and we've been doing the doing the activity for years and we know we've good good at faking it but we know that there has to be more to life than that because the promises you make in your word exceed our experience so I pray that you call us back to that place of surrender Back to that place of delight in you. That you'd take care of the rest. That Holy Spirit, you'd produce that fruit. Not because we're making the effort, but because we're in love with you. Would you lead us to that place? Would you lead us beside those still waters? Would you take us to those green pastures? that good news filters through our soul then would you help us to see the people around us the way you do because right now it's tempting to see them through a political lens it's tempted, tempting for us to see them through what we can get there's a lot of temptations in this season we need you help us to fix our eyes on you As we sing, would you move our hearts like yours?